Hans and Scotty here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hope you're all having a tremendous Wednesday. Joining us now, the play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke, kind enough to hang out with us. How are you, David? Hey, David. I'm good. How are you, Scotty G? How are you, Hans? What's the latest? You know what? Just grateful to be alive. Life is good. Wow. Uh, I, I, just left, deep. I just left Kyle Whittingham's office uh, about oh. 15 minutes ago, and, and so I'm uh, – he, he beat me up pretty good like he always does, uh, makes fun of a couple of things. I made fun of his hair. He's grown his hair out quite a bit. So, oh, yeah? Okay. Oh, yeah. He his hair's long. He biking? Uh, he kind of a, yeah, kind of biking. He's, his shoulders are, are ripped up. He's got the biceps popping. So he's in – because he, he always says that he gets out of shape during the course of the season and uses all offseason to get back into shape. He does. He uses all offseason to get back into shape and to He does a lot of road biking and mountain biking. I, I need to take him out. I need to go mountain biking. He does. He does a, a, a lot of that, and – he is uh, a golfing nut. And now he's, now he's all in on golfing. Yeah. Oh, is he? In. He's kind of addicted oh, yeah. to golf? Uh, and he's, he's playing very well. He's, oh, I'll good just for say, him. He's playing extremely well right now. He doesn't I strike me as a, a guy that's... I, could, I think there's a chance I could be great this year, but I don't like to practice, and I don't really love the game that much, so that seems to hurt those chances. Oh. Okay. Well, yeah, that usually can delay things. Especially in golf. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts, like... Every time I'm in a round, I'm like, you know, if I could right after this round, if I went to the range, I'd have a burger. <laughs> I just really don't, really don't like it that much. Like, well, I play it. It's enjoyable. It's beautiful out. We have great scenery. Well, you know, the thing is, you kind of, in our business, you almost have to play it because it's like social currency almost, playing golf. <laughs> uh, you, you almost sounded like a Jim Gaffigan set right there. I, I, I could go hit a bucket of balls. I think I'll have a burger. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, so, I mean, my daughter plays endlessly, and now she has her own, she has a driver's license, so I don't have to drive her. But for the last, like, 10 years, I've been driving her to the range for, like, hours. We're talking hours. Like, she's there for ever. And I could practice during that time period. That would be really logical. I never do. I was up talking to someone, might go to the gym for a little bit, might have a meal. Like, I never, like, I have all this opportunity. So I've just decided, but, like, if it was skiing, I would practice forever. Like, so, who knows? You take, you take, the, uh, take the van down to the, uh, down to the golf course, hit a bucket, and then uh, get your work done in the van. Oh, I love that idea. Because you know why? I love I, the van. I know you love the van. The van is in storage right now, and I'm very incomplete. There's very few things I've seen you get really, really excited about, just from, like, like the job and the, all that other stuff you get fired up about. But just from a personal standpoint, uh, there's very few things I've seen you get fired up about as much as that van. No, my wife's a little concerned about that. She thinks yeah. that maybe, like, like, you know, the dog that becomes, like, more important than the kids, like, to somebody yeah. in the family. Like, the van has – the van seems to be – the other day, the one that set her through the roof was that I was cleaning the van. <laughs> and she was like, have you looked at your beeping office? <laughs> have you thought about the kitchen once or twice? Like, you're going to clean the van. So you've become a cleaner now. Like, she's like, I am the Disneyland sweeper all the time. That's what I do. Like, my life is I'm the Disneyland sweeper right behind you. cleaning up your messes, and now you're going to clean the van. Yeah, there might be some bigger issues at play there you might need to address. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, there's, 
Well, yeah, me. It's not bigger. <laughs> just me. They're all they're all related to the same thing. David, what did you think of the first two playing games? Uh, I mean, obviously Charlotte was bad and Indiana was good, and now it gets really interesting to watch and see, like, does that momentum actually matter? Or, you know, like, I think this is such an interesting thing, right? Indiana feels so good about themselves, Washington feels bad and just swings in one game. So uh, I'm really curious to watch that. Um, you know, my I was talking to a coach in the NBA the other day. I was like, yeah, but we're going to have a day where, like, the seventh seed has, like, a 10-win advantage and then they get knocked out, like, I think actually the way this is structured is really smart. And my guess is over 10 years, you're going to see two seven seeds not make it. Probably. I think it's like a 90% chance that a seven Hmm. seed makes it the way this is structured. Um, So it was, you know, the fact that Boston point on that is that Boston, the seven seed beat the eight seed and made it in the playoffs exactly as they're supposed to is not super surprising to me. Um, you know, and then we were really quickly reminded about something that I think is a huge reason why people doubt the Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns a little bit, and that like individual playoff games are not that sometimes not that complicated. Like the single best player on the floor usually wins, and you know Anthony Davis was the single best player on the floor for a lot of the NBA Finals games last year to his credit, and LeBron has been the single best player on the floor for a lot of games, and I don't know who the single best player on the floor is tonight. In that matchup between the Lakers and Warriors, it's fascinating. Um, and frankly, I'm not entirely sure who the best player on the floor is for Memphis and San Antonio on a lesser extent. So I think it's probably DeMar DeRozan. It's kind of why I think San Antonio is going to win. Um, but it's a, you know that's going to be the challenge for the collective body that is the Utah Jazz to be able to be you know Donovan Mitchell on an offensive end and Mike Conley and Joe Ingles and Rudy Gobert to be able to find a way to collectively – and Boyan Bogdanovich handle the fact that they probably will never, in any series they play, will not have the best player on the floor. Unless we play Phoenix, and then we'll have a chance. So you mentioned, uh, I asked you a couple weeks ago, when the Jazz bumped it up to 6,700 fans, you said for the first time I you know, kind of felt it afterwards. Uh, you had to push the voice a little bit. Now you double that with 13,000. Uh, I, I know that this year has been uh, the worst winning percentage for home teams uh, at like 54%, and that's probably because of fans. So with 13,000, let's say the Jazz play the Lakers in the first round. They get 10%, we get 71%. How much can that help the Jazz in the playoffs? I think a lot. Um, by the way, like someone counting 13,000, can we just push it to 15 while we're at it? Like, let's just go, right? Like I saw the hockey, where was it, Nashville? Full? Like, yeah. let's go. Let's just make it loud and ramble. Let's just win the title. Um, I think it, I think it, um, you know, uh, I think it's, uh, a huge advantage and I think it'll be loud. And I think it'll actually, the fact that it'll be loud for like the first time all year for the opponent, I think will be interesting. Like when they get hit by that crescendo of sound, it will be the first time they've felt that all year. Right. Um, and I don't know what impact that has, but I think it's interesting. Um, I have two comments on this one, a question for both of you. So, and I don't know if I shared this, um, give my daughter some credit. I thought this was really insightful. So she was talking about going to a game the other night. And I've already shared this. I apologize. Uh, and she said, well, it's great, except for there's no collective energy. And I said, well, what do you, what do you mean? And so she texted me and said, you know, we just went on an eight over. This was during the game. I said, is it loud? What's it like? And that, this was a text back and forth. Um, and she said, 
you know that eight oh run we just went on, if it was a regular crowd, everybody'd be standing and cheering, but instead like a pocket like four people would get up and cheer, but then the group next to them didn't, and you're not close enough to each other to feel any collective energy where if they stand you feel you have to stand also. I thought it was really interesting about six thousand people. I'll give credit to a sixteen year old for that observation. There's nothing um, nothing worse when you're at a concert and the row in front of you stands up and you're like, Oh, can we just sit down and enjoy the music? And right. you gotta stand but, up and then the row, row behind you's gotta stand up. You know, if you're at Rage in the Machine like you usually are, I think you probably should stand up. But I, I understand you're at the Eagles and so therefore you wanna just chill. <laughs> um it, it does so, it does coincide with the age. There there's no right. doubt. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I think with 13,000 people, we'll have more of that collective um, atmosphere where we all stand to cheer things together. Um, I'm hoping. If not, let's put a few more thousand people. Um, the other question I have for you. So I did a um, – this was an embarrassing moment, so I'll share this. But I did a event this off season for a company um, called Collective Eye out of New York who was doing kind of industry leader, you know, play and so it was a zoom thing with their people and so they had the president of the philadelphia 76ers who's this incredible guy actually with all sorts of utah ties and mormon um matt del vadova and myself and i got really emotional on that call i'm a little i have a little larry h miller to me so it's not that hard to get me emotional but i um i got really emotional about the idea of calling a game with fans in the crowd again and i at the time i had envisioned that we would just go from zero to eighteen thousand. so i didn't really get it i haven't felt that in any way shape or form yet in fact the first few nights i was super uncomfortable being in a building with that many people and I'm wondering whether or not this will be like a really emotional night in the sense that it feels like you're back to normal. I mean, we're having all these moments, right? I went to like, I actually went and did like, I went to a party the other day. Like it was crazy. Um, you know, and so we're having all these moments. Is this going to be a really emotional evening for those involved? Because it's a, to us in our community, I think, you know, going back to church and going back to, and to our arenas are probably as important as m- most things. Well, I was thinking about this. I think of the 13,000, I'll bet somewhere between four and 5,000, this will be the first Jazz game of the season? Yeah, I would guess. Yeah, maybe more. So you think about that. I mean, these guys have watched them on TV. They've listened to your call. They've read about them. They've listened to Scotty and I. And they finally get to go sit and watch these guys live. Like, I've got to imagine that they're bottled up, all types of of pent-up aggression, ready to just – unleash as a phantom that's what i'm hoping for and yeah i do think it's going to be emotional for some people yeah i mean it could be really cool um you know it's funny how you thought back on it like i did i had this vision like there'd just be this day where all of a sudden there were seventeen thousand people yeah hands and scotty david lock david lock right here on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network so uh what's life like for the jazz right now alex jensen uh, scouting four teams. I mean, wh- how do you how do you divvy up something like that, knowing that it's probably going to be two, but uh, but you have to be ready for four. Well, there's a few things on it. Like, so one, I think the Jazz are at less of a disadvantage than someone else because they prep so dramatically uh, or so extensively during the season. We have played three of the four very recently, right? So. Yeah. Whoever scouted, I, I don't know, I, you know, I thought Alex would have the first team, but maybe not. Whoever had the Warriors a week, two weeks ago probably is pretty prepared. 
we had very good game plan against the Spurs and the Grizzlies recently. So I'm, I'm assuming the one that's really fascinating is how do you scout the Lakers? Do you go watch their first 10 games of the season? No. I mean, because I mean, that's all you have. And then there's no Andre Drummond. Yeah. Like, their starting five that they are going to roll out tonight, there's a decent chance that starting five has not, unless they did just recently, which I don't know if they did. Maybe they did in the last game of the year. I'm not sure they've played any minutes together. Right? So they roll out Contavious, Caldwell, Pope, Dennis Schroeder, mm-hmm. LeBron, AD, and Drummond. Have they played together yet? Uh, not that I could think of. Unless Schroeder, I don't, can't remember if Schroeder played the last game of the season. I mean, those last games were so irrelevant. He did. So they might have done it against New Orleans in the final game of the year. Yeah. Like, that's a crazy concept. So how do you scout that? Uh, well, I, mean, I tell you, you know, what, if, if there's one you know, team you feel comfortable doing it, it would be this team. It'd be the Jazz. Right. So... I think that's. I think it's. You know, you just don't know. You're going to have to make on the Lakers. You're really adjusting as the game as it goes on um, in that series. The Warriors. I mean, Steph just breaks the game. He's just there's not any. There's just nothing to do. Like it doesn't work. Like it's incredible what he's done. We're in the midst of an offensive explosion led by Steph five years ago, that is like just starting and is going to be overwhelming. But when a guy can shoot a three off the bounce at 35 feet. I don't know what you can do defensively. Like it's, it's kind of over at that point. Right. Like, I mean, I can walk you through all of them. I don't want to bore everyone, but there's really not a good answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, help us set a level of expectation for Donovan Mitchell this weekend. I have no idea. I'm assuming he's going to play, but I don't know anything at all. I don't. I haven't talked to anyone. I don't know anything. I have no insight. Hmm. Um, if he does, I will. You know, I hope I don't. I hope this doesn't come to come to the case. If he doesn't play, um, that's really concerning because yeah. it means he went another week without practice, and then you. So you're just phys- like I don't know how you possibly get him in shape. I mean, I don't want to be too dramatic with this, but I feel like he either goes on Sunday or we just kind of assume that you're not really ever getting him at full strength unless we get to the third round. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Wow. But I don't know anything at all. I mean, I guess all of us have just assumed he'll be back. He'll be back. And if he does, if he's not back, then, yeah, you're right. It's, it's a bad sign. It's, it's right. We all assumed he was going to be back in the regular season, too, based on nothing. Yep. So we're basing that, this on nothing, too. So, I, I mean, I'm hoping he's back, certainly. Um you know, Mike looked really good. Like that was great. Mike looked fabulous. He and Rudy, he and Rudy's numbers in the final, in the two games together on the pick and roll were like best they've ever had. It was pretty funny. So if you're, uh, if you're preparing for one team and you had to choose, would you choose Golden State? I mean, not that you want to choose, that you think how it's going to play out. Do you anticipate seeing Golden State in the first round? Well, I think so. Um, I mean, they. Vegas odds say that, so I'd probably just follow that. Um, I left the arena on Sunday thinking the Warriors would beat the Lakers. Then when I dug into the Warriors' recent streak, there was a lot of – I saw a lot of thunder and a lot of rockets. And when I went back and looked at the Lakers' first 20 games of the season, they had the third-best differential in the NBA and were really pretty dominant. And so at that point, I decided that it was the, the lake. So then I switched on whatever morning that was. 
and decided Monday morning and decided the Lakers are going to win. Then Tuesday, I did a bunch of research where I re- eliminated all of the players from the lineup data on all the teams that is not, are not going to play in the playoffs. Right, So you just go to the Warriors' eight guys that are going to play and look at all their lineups. And I did this with every team just because of the amount of injuries and the amount of COVID. You have a bunch of players who just, you know, Trent Forrest isn't playing for the Jazz in the playoffs. And, you know, Daniel Okora is not playing for the Clippers in the playoffs. And thank goodness for the Warriors that James Wiseman and Kelly Oubre are not playing for them. The Warriors' lineups without the players that they've played this year who will not play in the playoffs is a plus 15. That's the same as the Jazz with Rudy on the floor. Interesting. So they might be terrific, like great. Like my numbers are showing me right now that there are four teams that are way better than everyone else and a fifth that's close. And the numbers tell me the four teams that are way better than everybody else are the Jazz, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Warriors. Wow. And the Portland Trailblazers are close. And it's interesting to think of if the Jazz are going to go to the NBA Finals or the Western Conference Finals, they'll have to go through either Golden State and the Lakers and then probably the Clippers in the next round. And then I think they would have to go through Portland. And then Portland, yeah. That might be my really big wild card for everyone right here. Yeah. Like, I think Portland beats Denver. And then... Well, then I think the Lakers beat Portland. Hmm. But if Phoenix gets through, I think Portland beats Phoenix. I don't think Chris Paul can chase. Dean Lillard and the Norman Powell trade would be vital at that point because Mikel Bridges would go guard Dean Lillard, which would mean C.J. McCollum then is being guarded by Chris Paul unless they try to hide Chris Paul and Norman Powell, and eventually somebody beats up Chris Paul. And he has too much work in the series at that point. Yeah. David Locke right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. David, always a pleasure, my friend. Yes. This, are you trying to say you think maybe that we did not get a fortuitous bounce being the number one seed here against it, what we have to face? Like Is that what you're saying? I, I'm not saying it's as bad as the Houston matchup a couple of years ago, but it just doesn't seem like things fall into place for the Jazz for the playoffs. Well, the thing that's the killer for me on this is on the whole Rudy conversation in the playoffs. So who are the three players that have, like, beat the Jazz in the playoffs? Yeah. I know what you're Steph, saying. Harden, yeah. and Jokic, right? So yep. the three greatest offensive players we've seen in the league are the ones that have made Rudy less effective in the playoffs. They're not mm-hmm. – it's not that he got played off the floor. That's not true. But, are, you know, a little less effective. Like, they're, they actually have an answer. Like, we're just, like, lining the best – we're, like, on the verge of getting one of them. It's almost like I, why I think I, in a weird way – Unless Anthony Davis is totally right, I'd rather face the Lakers than the Warriors. But yeah. that's an insane comment because LeBron know, right? really has never lost. <laughs> so that's really being stupid. David, you're the best, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks David. David Locke right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.